I never dreamed I'd be called into the mission field. But my name is Tim. This is my wife, Jennifer, and we're from America. <laughs> the land of the mask free and the home of the brave. <laughs> I said this last night to the graduating class and the people that were here. And when we were received in Tennessee, we were received as refugees. Because that's what several people said. Oh, you're refugees from, from California. Man, true story. True story. We've got a friend of ours. I love to hunt, and, and I'm, I'm obviously wanting to get back into that again. And, you know, it's, it's always better when you can find someone, a friend that has land. You don't have to compete with the public lands and all of that. And so a friend of mine or a guy that we've gotten to know, his dad has like 400 acres like three to 400 acres. He's a literal ranch, and I'm sure there's deer and turkey and everything all over it. So, of course, I'm salivating, and I'm trying to figure out if I can get in tight with this guy, you know? So I said, hey, can you put a good word in for me with your dad, you know, responsible guy, and, you know, I'll, I'll go out and take care of things and help him out on the property just for the, the privilege to do that. He goes, you know, I tried that, but I, uh, I told him you were from California, and he just said, nope. I <laughs> went, but I'm originally from Michigan, you know. He just, I don't know, man. He just, he's a tough nut to crack there. But uh, I think we're, we're starting to wear on him a little bit, so it's good. Well, my message today is spiritual identity. And uh, we know that we live in a world right now where there's a lot of identity attack. I mean, it's not before long we're going to hear people barking and meowing and mooing. I mean, this stuff is getting out of control, as you guys know. But, you know, before we start today, I have a question for all of you, and it's a serious one. It's about identity. What do you call the identity of a person who is secretly a pastor? What do you call the identity of a person who is secretly a pastor? I'll let it just simmer for a second. I see those faces like, it's an alter ego. <laughs> I love those jokes because they start off and then people start chuckling. And I know who the dads are in the room because those are truly dad jokes. <laughs> you know, for years, even when I was young, I started seeing advertisements on television about identity theft. Companies that would, would pop up and say, has your identity been stolen? Or you're at risk of your identity being stolen. And of course, we know there's all kinds of cyber attacks. I mean, I think our gas prices went up to a whole dollar when the Colonial Pipeline got ran, you know, ransomware. I'm kidding. We weren't quite at a dollar, but it's pretty cheap. But uh, those things are happening, and there's companies that can safeguard you uh, from those types of things. So I, I thought maybe I would get online and read a few stories and see if I could find something, something about a real unique identity um, theft story. And, of course, I found this one online, and if it's online, it's true. <laughs> we know that. I actually just threw it up on Facebook to see if it would flag me, and it, it was good. It was good. <laughs> but listen to this one. It says, often called the chameleon by media and police, Frederick Bourdin is a French serial imposter who began stealing identities when he was just a young child. In one of the strangest cases, he claimed to be Nicholas Barclay, a teenager who'd been missing from Texas for three years before Bourdin's assertion. Even though Bourdin had different colored eyes, 
than the missing teenager, not to mention a French accent. The Barclay family took him in eagerly. Maybe they like French toast. I don't know. But it was five months before a local private investigator got suspicious, confirming his doubts through a DNA test. When Bourdine got out of jail for this crime, he flew back to Europe and continued to pass himself off as missing teens in France and Spain. He claims to have taken on as many as 40 false identities over his career. Now, I'd just like to talk about this family just a little bit. Either they were completely deaf and blind, suffering from amnesia, never paid any attention to the teenager, teenager, and that's why they lost him in the first place. They had no idea what he looked like or even sounded like. And listen, I've seen some families where this is very believable. It's like, I have a kid. He's 13 years old. Yeah, you do. (laughs) But either that or they were extremely distraught about their loss. And they were willing to take in a counterfeit to avoid, to fill the void of their loss. Just let that simmer for a second. What kind of counterfeit do we take in when we're under duress? What are we trading in our inheritance and what God has provided for us? I know this story seems unlikely, but when you really give this thought, it happens to us spiritually when we're blind and deaf to the word of God. When we've forgotten about the promises of God or we're not paying attention to God's voice and the move of his Holy Spirit in our lives. You see, we get caught spiritually flat-footed and we begin filling our lives with the counterfeit to give us temporary fulfillment. This is what the enemy does. He comes in in your your vulnerable moments and he begins impersonating. You see, I've said this for many years. Just because it's a good thing doesn't mean it's a God thing. Just because that job was the one you were always after and it finally happened for you, but guess what? You got to drop out of Bible college and you can't go to church on Sunday anymore. You think the enemy doesn't try to entice you with good things? Listen, I hear people all the time that are attributing horrible things to the actions of God. If that's happening, don't you think the enemy is sly enough to say, I'm going to dangle the shiny thing in front of you and as soon as you say, Oh, God, what a blessing you are. All of a sudden now, I haven't been to church in a year. My family's falling apart. I'm I'm desperate for a move of God's spirit in my life to feel him, to sense him again. This is what happens. Because you have to hold on to God and never let him go. He's the real deal. The word of God says, focus on the things that you cannot see, for those are the eternal things. We spend too much time looking at the things we can see, and we're counting those things as more real and more eternal. Everything that we see is preceded by something invisible and spiritual. Everything that's physical. Everything. It comes from someone's mind and ends up being, you know, a pulpit or chair. We have all this reflection of God and how he's created us to be. And then we think, I don't have a purpose. 
Or I was just by happenstance. Two giant rocks collided together and here I am. So complex and complicated. I, listen, I don't have enough faith to believe in evolution. It's utterly ridiculous. It is. But see, when the enemy comes in, you have to serve him with your own DNA test. That DNA test should show him that you have the blood of Jesus Christ covering you and coursing you, coursing through your veins. You got to put him on notice and say, I've got something that you don't have that you will never have. And it puts him, it tamps him down. Doesn't mean he goes away, but he just melts when you begin to speak the word of God and serve him notice in life. Apparently, I can't change my page here. There we go. See, in this world, you'll have to actually pay someone to protect your identity. But in God's kingdom, he's already paid that price for you. Isn't it good to get a good reminder someday of the things that we just let slip through our fingers? I remember when I joined Bible college, I'd say my my foundation was a little rickety. And I watched Pastor Henry for two years. I always said I, I had like a pocket full of watch gears and it was just fragmented knowledge and understanding. And I watched him for two years assemble a watch and I saw how it all worked together. And my foundation got really just thick and solid. And I was able to build to a higher place with God without it crumbling. Some of you, you're getting to that point. You think, man, things are going well, but you just can't seem to break past. It's because there's some foundational things that have come loose. There's some foundational things that weren't there. The foundation won't support it. You see, true identity is what God has provided for you, not something that ever can be taken from you. Every believer in this room today shares the same destiny to be conformed into the likeness or to the image of Jesus Christ. And being conformed, this is where your identity is truly discovered. But we need to know a few things before we can establish this destiny for our lives. Yes, even you, seasoned Christians, you need to be reminded. You need to know these things. You cannot be too smart to be taught. The Word says that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds not just because we said yes to Jesus. Did you hear that today? Because, see, we think as soon as we take on Jesus, everything just ultimately gets better. I got news for you. It gets more challenging. You see, before you said yes to Jesus, you were no intimidation to the enemy. He didn't even have to spend one moment on you. But as soon as you say yes, what do you think the parable is about the farmer spreading the seed? Those seeds will get gobbled up because the enemy doesn't want you to have those things. We're transformed by the renewing of our minds. That means to say the day that we said yes to Jesus, the day that I married Jennifer was the beginning of our marriage. It was the beginning of a beautiful relationship. Someone said yes to Jesus in this room and you left him at the altar. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. There's a pursuit, a tenacity that we have to have for God. See, if we're asking, be certain, have faith 
that you will receive what you're asking for. If you're seeking, then partner with the Holy Spirit. Because he's the one that searches all things, even the depths of God. And if you're knocking, be certain that you're knocking on God's front door. I meet so many Christians. And you can always tell when the spirit of the living God just hasn't locked in with them quite yet. And I know that sounds judgmental, but it's not because we're allowed to look at the fruits. We're allowed to to examine those things and realize that, hey, this this person is in trying to go in the right direction, but they're missing the very teeth that God wants to give you to be successful in this world. When he came and entered that room and he filled the people in the early church with the evidence of speaking in tongues, he gave them teeth to now be able to go. You can't take a group of people that were hiding and then in Fill them with the fire of the living God. And then all of a sudden, the hiders become the bold ones. You see, if you don't feel bold today, you need more spirit. You need God to fill you in a mighty way. If you're cowering and hiding, if you're saying it's okay, I'll let you take that freedom from me. I'll let you, I'll let you come in and grab that from me. If you are doing this today, you are missing out on some of the most unbelievable blessings that God can ever give you. Wow. The word of God is a book full of testimonies. That can be related to. It's information that God has given us to show that he is interested in a humble, repentant heart. That's just crazy enough to believe that there's a God in heaven that can make the impossible possible. So today I want to focus on three individuals And discover some answers to some questions. Let's start with the father of faith of Abraham. Can you put the question up? Is it up? Can I overcome life's challenges even if I don't consider myself an overcomer? Let's let Abraham answer this for us today. In Romans 4, 16 through 24, it says, Therefore, the promise comes by faith. So that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. Say, I'm Abraham's offspring. Remember the old song? Father Abraham had many sons. And many sons had Father Abraham. And I am one of them. And so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Okay, we're going to stop right there. You You guys are starting to get immature now. But it says not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. Aren't you so glad you're not under law? Oh, my goodness. He is the faithful father of us all. And it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls things into being that were not. He calls those things that are not. As though they are. Against all hope. This is where a person becomes bold. Because against all odds. Let me just throw that word in there. Abraham and hope believed. And so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been written and said of him. 
so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. And since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. You know, it is okay to face the facts, but God never said accept them. We read things in the word of God and we think, well, I guess that's my doom and gloom. When Jesus says things like in this world, you'll have trials. Oh, trials. (laughs) But he said, take heart. Have joy because I've overcome the world. Don't stop reading. We stop reading and you miss the blessing. Don't stop going after God. Don't just say yes to Jesus and stop the pursuit. Keep reading. If you're going through hell, keep going. Don't stop. I borrowed that one from you, Pastor Henry. (laughs) There are too many Christians that are trying to identify with being a thermometer. You know what thermometers do? They simply tell you the facts. But God did not send his son Jesus to die on a cross and resurrect and ultimately send his spirit for you to become Captain Obvious. Thank you for telling me what's going on right now. That is horrible news, and I do not accept it. You can actually say that, and it's totally cool. Because Jesus, he paid the price. He resurrected. He sent his spirit so that you can be a thermostat. I don't know what the temperature in this room is, but it's pretty hot right now. But I will tell you that I can go over to that thermostat. Not that I will. I'm not going to touch it. But I could go over there and I could turn that dial and I could say become 63 degrees. And after long, this room will begin to respond what I said that it should be. That is what God has called you to be. Do not just say I'll accept the circumstances. Don't accept the circumstances. Don't do it. There's circumstances all around you in this world and they're trying to suck you in. Don't do it. Just tell your neighbor today that I identify with a thermostat. It's okay. You can do that. This is 21st century now. You can identify with something else. You know, there's someone in this room today that is still listening to words in their mind, negative words that were spoken over them. And you've taken on that as a part of your identity. And you hear that nonsense constantly because maybe it was someone close to you that said those things to you. Maybe a Christian hurt you and now, or maybe you hurt someone else and you're not seeing them in their faith anymore. All of this, guys, can be rescued. It can be. Just said something to Jennifer today that a spirit, a right spirit in us, will start to draw out the right spirit in others. This is how effective a Holy Spirit-filled Christian can be. You can change the atmosphere. You can change the room. You're the scariest thing the darkness has ever seen. That is what you have. That is what you carry. So Abraham did not waver, though through unbelief regarding the promise of God but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Being fully persuaded, fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. 
This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The same way we become righteous, to believe on the Son of God, being the way, the truth, and the life, just because we believe and have faith, this is how we're considered righteous. That was God's plan from the very beginning. And now we stand in a so much better covenant today. See, this is proof positive that you can overcome life's challenges, even if you don't consider yourself an overcomer. Abraham faced the facts. His body was as good as dead, but he did not accept those facts. You need to put your faith in who God says you are and face the fact that you can change, that you can make that change. The other individual I want to look at today is Gideon. And if you could put the second question up. When does someone most often see a mighty move of God? So Gideon, many of you may know the story. God was angry with the Israelites because they'd gone back into false worshiping again. All these gods, false gods and idols. And because of this, the Lord left them in the hands of the destructive Midianites. For seven years, finally fed up, the Israelites called out to God for help. God is so graceful and merciful that even though you've been a bad seed, when you start to cry out to him, he's like, you say that you don't deserve it, but God says you do. You deserve his help. He'll come and rescue you. Just call out to him today. Gideon was just a small young boy. Who was in a thresh, he was threshing wheat, hiding inside of a wine press because they were getting pillaged all the time by the Midianites. An angel appears before Gideon and says, The Lord is with you, mighty man or mighty warrior, mighty man of valor. Gideon had to be thinking, <laughs> You've got the wrong dude. I'm in here shaking, trying to just get enough for some bread here. And you're calling me something that I am clearly not right now. There's this restaurant in Tennessee that Jennifer and I go to breakfast every Saturday. It's called Puckett's. And, man, Puckett's is good. But I'm telling you, if I look like I'm a little larger, I probably am. (laughs) Because I've got gravy running through my veins. (laughs) But this would literally be like me sitting in Puckett's, eating biscuits and gravy, and the angel Lord saying, Oh, hello there, trim and fit one with abs of steel. Clearly in the moment, trim and fit is not my aim or my name. You know, actors put weight on for parts. And just so you guys know, I put this weight on just for this sermon. (laughs) Jennifer, help me get this weight off, please. The Bible says if you have a man given to appetite, put a knife to your throat. Hmm. (laughs) so the angel proceeds to tell Gideon that he will deliver the Israelites from the Midianites to which point Gideon says that he's just a small young boy actually he's the smallest boy of the smallest tribe in all of Israel he had all kinds of excuses then Gideon asked the angel to prove that he was really speaking for God And the angel gives him a sign. Gideon believes, and now he's making himself available. The Lord tells Gideon to destroy one of his father's altars to the idol Baal and replace it 
with an altar to God. Whoa, God. I just started, like, believing, and now you're telling me to do something that's really difficult. But watch this. Judges 6, 25 through, actually, 27, the end of 27. That night, the Lord said to Gideon, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that is seven years old. Pull down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole standing beside it. Then build an altar to the Lord your God here on this hilltop sanctuary, laying the stones carefully. Sacrifice the bull as a burnt offering on the altar, using as fuel the wood of the Asherah pole you cut down. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord had commanded, but he did it at night because he was afraid of the other members of his father's household and the town's people. God is so good, he'll let you repent all alone. This is an act of repentance and obedience. This was like, I'm going to go and symbolically pull down the thing that stands between Israel and God. So God says, I need you to go and repent. I need you to go and do this. But I am graceful and merciful to you, and you can do it at night. That's what he did. So God honored it. That's his grace. That's how big he is. And he'll never, ever disgrace you, but he will always embrace you. But why the second bull? Hmm. I just like to ask God questions when I read things. I just don't read words and go by and just say, I'm okay with not understanding that. I'm just crazy enough to say, there's got to be an answer. So guess what? There is. You see, the first bull was the old breeder bull. It was the one that had been around a long time, and it was the one that his father would use and Gideon would use to continue to bring his herd and his stock up. That was the old bull. The second bull was the backup bull. And ultimately, it becomes the first one. When the old bull dies, here's the second one. But it takes time, grooming, finding the right one. This second bull was Gideon's bull. It was the backup plan. It was when his father was done, whether retired or whatever, and Gideon took over the family business, this second bull was Gideon's future. And God said, I want your future. Don't think that you can go and become a judge and not be fully committed to the things that I have for you to do. You see, what holds us back sometimes from doing great things for God is because we think if it doesn't work out, I can always go back and do that. If that is your mindset, you will never make it. Same thing with Elijah. He burned it all. He had a party before he left because he said, I'm walking out of here, and if this keeps Staying in the back of my head, and I know this is getting really tough out here, and oh God, I can't handle this anymore, but I've got this. You don't have that. You can't go back to that, so you're going to persevere. This was the whole plan that God had for Gideon. I want your backup plan. His plan, God's plan, was better than Gideon's anyway. And he got to see 
some amazing things. So Gideon assembles an army of 32,000 soldiers. God says, army's too big. Ultimately, God reduces the army down to 300. Now, this is not 300 like the movie you saw where these were 300 bad dudes. These were probably, knowing God and knowing Gideon in this story, and there's some debate on, you know, the guys that were lapping the water and, and, you know, the ones that stood and drank and all these things. But here's the thing. This was probably 300 guys that got picked last in gym class. Because God wanted them to know this is me and me alone, and you're being blessed because I'm blessing you. So Gideon instructs his army at the right time to blow the ram's horn and break their jars and yell a sword for the Lord and Gideon. And when they did this, the army, as they were described or was supposed to do, it said that the army that they were fighting was so numerous that it was like a swarm of locusts. Now that's something that you're, you, you feel really minuscule when you're looking out and you understand that this is what I'm about to face. And just as I said last night in the story of Jehoshaphat, it's the same here. That by the Lord's influence, they began to panic. This is the enemy. Run and kill each other. You got to get this down in your knower. That you think you're facing something big. And yeah, it's going to be big and insurmountable if you're going to try to do it on your own. But if you are doing it with God, if you are partnering with him, if you are a worship in your heart, worshiper, you will be able to stand and worship God and watch all of it begin to sort itself out. This is the God we serve. He's not asking you to pick up these burdens, but he's saying, will you partner with me? Sitting right now in heaven is Jesus Christ at the right hand of the Father, and he is in a form that looks like us. And it's showing that God has eternally partnered with humanity. Wow. He didn't discard us. We deserved it. We deserve to be discarded. But no, he said, I want to partner with you. You are seated right now with Jesus. Right now. Stop praying from from the earth up. Start praying from heaven down. This is suggesting God is somewhere else. He's not. He's right here. Man, we have to change the way we look at things. And when we do, the things that we look at are going to change. God always gets your problems to take care of themselves. He does. But repentance and obedience. It always equals a mighty move of God. Every time I see it in the word of God, it's repent and obedience. The word says to obey is better than sacrifice. That it implies that when you got a sacrifice, you did it your way. But when you obey, you do it God's way. Now the third question. What is the only way to confidently discover your true identity? Say Joshua. He was the successor of Moses. You know, I read, I know God chose Moses. But Joshua chose God. And you're going to see that God chose him and entrusted him 
with the responsibility of leading the Hebrew people into the promised land. Joshua's identity was etched on his heart long before his entrance into the promised land. Exodus 33, 7 through 11 says this. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance of their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. And whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and they worshiped each at the entrance of their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, you want to talk about an identity problem? He has got no parents. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to let them simmer, don't you? <laughs> you guys are catching on quick here. He did not leave the tent. You know, we have this tendency to read stories like this and go, wow, Moses, face to face with God. What, how amazing is that? Moses would be looking at you right now saying, wow, filled with the Holy Spirit, the ever-living God, how amazing is that? I got to have occasional encounters with God. You get to live with him. There's nothing better right here than what Jesus has afforded for you. See, this half a sentence right here says something so profound. But his son his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. And it's really easy to overlook. But identity is discovered in the intimate presence of the Almighty. God was in that tent with Moses, and Joshua had a front row seat every single time. Joshua worshipped in the presence of God, and the, that level of intimacy changed the, the trajectory of Joshua's future. This is what happens in intimacy. With God. Why is it that we have this tendency to stand in the threshold of our own tent when Joshua got the idea and the understanding that he could go into the presence? You see, you read this and you think, well, he had special privileges. Maybe not. Maybe everyone just took it as status quo. Maybe, just maybe, that anybody else could have gone in that tent. And let me say, am I reminded of David when he brought back the, the ark? Yeah, I think I am. And he put it right in the middle of Jerusalem. And he put a tent around it. And for 40 years, they worshipped around it. Okay, so a tent here and a tent here. No, you know the difference is? The difference is David was tapping in to a future that God had for him to a future that God had for us. That's why he calls this David's temple. Because that was a man after God's own heart. He wasn't satisfied to stand at the threshold of any tent. He said, I want to go in. I want to be a part of what God is doing. I want to be a part of his plans. I want to be blessed by his presence. I want to be in his presence. I want to camp in his presence. I want to be 
like that. You know, David, he always wanted to build a temple for God. And God would say this, hey, tell David I don't need a temple. Tell him I'm only interested in being with my people. People, God is interested in being with you. You don't have to stand back and look and say, I wish I could experience that. Would you just put on your bathing suit and jump into what God has done for you? You don't have to sit at the edge of the pool and say, that looks nice. I wish I could experience that too. Would you just get in the pool? Would you just do it? Can I encourage you today to just stay in the tent? Metaphorically, can you stay in the tent? Can you just keep exposing God to your life, his presence to your life? You don't have to leave it. That's the beauty of it. God said, I'm just going to go with you. It's the opposite. Moses said, I'm not going unless you're going. And God's saying, I'm going if you're going. Because I'm going to be with you. That's why we knew when we went to Tennessee, it was never, I hope this is the right thing. It was never, I don't know if God is going to be with us or not. It was never that. I went there with a confidence to know that God is going to use us. And yeah, maybe it's, as far as Christianity goes, maybe it's one of the most flourishing places as far as just churches and and people that that profess to know and believe God. But I'll tell you, there's a lot of label-wearing Christians there. They wear the label, but is the depth there? Is the pursuit there? Is the walking with the Lord there? Is, is he just the Savior, or is he Lord and Savior? That's a good question for you today. Is he your Lord and Savior, or is he just your Savior? Because let me tell you, if he's just your Savior, you left him right here at the altar. But if he's your Lord, he's going with you every single day. Amen. You see, intimacy is never satisfied with yesterday's meal. If you got to eat every day, approximately, I mean, I, I have to eat every day. <laughs> if you got to eat physical food, you think you don't have to eat spiritual food every day? Do you want to be anemic spiritually? Do you feel like you might be a little bit? You need to come to the spiritual puckets with me. And we'll eat some spiritual gravy and biscuits. And you'll walk out of there full. And you won't even need to eat lunch because it'll be so amazing. See, because when you're in the presence of God, you are filled. But don't try to reset your next day living off of yesterday. I tried to do that far too long in my life for far too many years. And I'm telling you, God gets even gooder every single day. Adam and the Lord had a daily encounter. God desires those times with us. And Joshua understood this so well, and that's why he was able to do what others couldn't. You see, true intimacy with God is what reveals true identity. There's your answer. In closing today, can I just remind you, I want to pump you up. I want to remind you, and maybe I'm going to even be telling some of us, because maybe we don't know these things. But here's a good reminder. You were formerly darkness, but now you're light. These aren't my words. These are your creator's words over you. 
You are no longer a slave, but a child and an heir of the king. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Next time you feel fear, start to proclaim that. You'll see a miracle. I guarantee it. You will not be condemned by God. You are a child of God. You are loved and chosen by God. You have been set free in Christ. You've been justified and redeemed. You've become the righteousness of God in Christ. You have been made complete in Christ. You are God's workmanship created to produce good works. You have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Christ is your life, and you will be revealed with him in glory. You are seated in heavenly places. Don't let this just be the moment for you. Take this moment tomorrow and the next day and remember these words. Remember who you are. Get the word of God in you. I said this last night at, at Bible College, and I think it's, it's a funny story, but it's a good story. My dad watches Fox News so much. He's watching this right now. I'm looking at you, Dad. That when you go in between scenes, like if you change the channel and the TV goes dark, it still says Fox News. It's been burned into his LCD. It really has. And it's like, I mean, it might even be there if he turns the TV off. I don't even know. But that's an indicator that there's been time spent and he hasn't changed the channel much. Are you changing the channel too much? This is not an advertisement for Fox News. You can change the channel. But are you changing the channel too much in your life off of the channel that matters? When your life goes dark and you have moments of darkness, do you see and feel the word of God burned into your heart? Listen, I'm challenged by these words today like I'm sure we all are. We all need to go deeper. We all need to be stronger in our faith. We all have giants to face. But I believe that this day can be the first day of the rest of your spiritual life, that you can go deeper. We have been so enriched by this ministry. We found a great place in Tennessee. But the Holy Spirit said something to me that was so raw and so real when I was driving in the U-Haul coming across the country, which Gavin Newsom sold to me, by the way. <laughs> but when I got in that U-Haul, and I was thinking, God, I don't know what's next. I know we're going to do something together, but I don't know what it looks like. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say, don't go looking for what you had, because you'll miss. I've done a unique thing at the Promise Church Pastor Henry and Jackie, Cindy and their family. That's what he does. He puts his fingerprint on something and it's different. Don't go looking for that because what happens is if you keep looking back on what you used to have, you're going to overlook people that need help. 
because you're gonna, it's going to be too easy for you to look past it to say, I'm looking for what I used to have. The Word of God even says, don't think about and talk about and focus on the good old days. The good old day is yet to come. Every day is a good day with God. There's no stop. This is an eternal God. You are eternal so that you can discover eternally a bottomless and topless God. You can search him forever. You think eternity is just going to be kicking back and just saying, so glad to be past that life. No, no, God has got much more for you. He's eternal. Start today. Dive in today. 